Okay, so um, this teaching on the Twelve Links can all be put into the Four Noble Truths. So truth sufferings, which are the things that we want to be free of, you know, the samsaric existence that we want to be free of, then they are the projected effects and the actualized effects. Okay? So links 3 through 7 and then 11 and, and 12. So those are the things that we suffer from. You know, and remember, suffering here doesn't mean ouch kind of suffering, but it means just undesirable experiences, being under the influence of, of disturbing attitudes and karma. Okay, so those are, those are the true, it sounds t like technical language, true suffering, but we, if we look, it's just basically our experience, okay? And then the things that cause this, that cause, I mean, the true sufferings, all of these, you know, the body that gets old and sick and dies, the, um, con you know, our senses which, which activate the contact, activate the feelings, which then, therefore, we grasp at, and then we create karma, and then we have more unpleasant things happen. And, you know, this whole thing, this whole undesirable circumstance that arises, you know, from this body and mind, that's the true suffering. The ca true cause of suffering, the second noble truth, are the first, second, eighth, ninth, and tenth links. Okay, so these are the things that cause all of the undesirable experiences. So ignorance causes it because it doesn't perceive reality, and through ignorance we generate all the disturbing attitudes, and then we create karma. Karma causes it because karma is what ripens and influences the different things that we experience, whether we're happy and miserable. Craving and grasping, links eight and nine, cause it because they're what help the karmic potency ripen, especially, you know, the karma that ripens, that becomes the next rebirth, okay, you know, throws us into the next rebirth. So their causes, because they help ripen that karma. And then tenth, becoming, is also a cause because it is that karma, that karmic imprint in its stage when it's like, Right there, all ripe, ready to bring forth the, you know, the next rebirth. Okay, so those are all called the causes. Now, amongst the, amongst those causes, okay, three of them are disturbing attitudes, and two of them are, are actions, are karma. Okay, because, because we keep on talking about cyclic existence, we're being under the influence of disturbing actions and karma and then experience all the undesirable effects because of those. So the disturbing attitudes are ignorance, okay, doesn't perceive reality. It's the root of all the other disturbing attitudes. And then specifically craving and grasping are disturbing attitudes because they're both different kinds of attachment. And so when that attachment comes really strongly, especially at death, then, you know, we just bounce ourselves right back into another body. And then the two that are actions or karmas are the, the second link karma, which is, you know, that action that is going to, you know, any particular action that is uh, going to cause another rebirth. Okay? So we went through all the, the ten disturbing actions. This is where they fit in. And karma is also including that link of becoming 
because that's that same karmic potency when it's about ready to bring its result. So two is the car is the karma as it's getting you know the action that then leaves the potency or the seed on the mind stream, and ten is after you know the the potency sits there for some time, and then ten is like at the time of death when it's been nourished and it has the water and fertilizer and it's right ready you know to 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 propel us to take another body. Okay. So of the 12 links, yeah, um, three are disturbing attitudes and two are karma. And those two together are the true cause of suffering. Okay? And then the true suffering, and here remember, you know, suffering is in its real general sense. True suffering are all the other uh, links, okay? Because the, the other seven links are all results. So they're results of you know, the disturbing attitudes and the karma. They're the experiences, all the undesirable experiences that we have. Okay? So there's seven results. They're the truth, the, what's called the true suffering in the Four Noble Truths. Okay? Everybody okay? Yeah? So I'm hoping you're 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 seeing how all these things fit together in different ways and different ways of looking at the same thing. Yeah? I mean that's kind of why I'm trying to explain these in different ways because it gives you, you know, different ways. Oh, well, how do the four noble truths relate to this and you know? And so remember that the whole reason for learning all of this is because it's actually describing our experience and it's taught so that we can generate some wish to get out of it. So that instead of reenacting the 12 links again and again and again, you know, which is what we've been merrily passing our time doing since beginning this time, uh, we might actually start to um, seek some lasting happiness. And that comes from the true cessation and true path, which are the last two noble truths. Okay? Okay. Now, we're going to look at how the the uh, one set of 12 links occurs over two lifetimes and over three lifetimes, okay? Because remember, one we have many, 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 many sets of 12 links, okay? So when we talk about one set of 12 links, we're talking about one specific moment of ignorance that causes one specific action that plants the karmic potency on the causal consciousness at one specific time, okay? So we're talking about very specific instances here. And so we have many, many, many sets of 12 links. And some have already been completed, some are partially completed, okay? Like that. So if we look at one set of 12 links, they can occur over two lives or over three lives. So if we look at them occurring over two lives, okay, in the, yeah? One set that occurs? Yeah. In other words, one set from 1 to 12, okay? And the way that set from 1 to 12 can occur in two lives is, let's say in this lifetime, we have ignorance, yeah? 
And then we get angry at somebody, we create karma, the imprints put on the causal consciousness. Okay? So that's the projecting causes. Then, at the time of death, yeah, and that just occurred in one moment. You know, maybe you got mad at somebody when you were 10 years old or 20 years old or something, okay? That particular instance. Then, at the time of death, okay, we generate craving for this body, grasping for the next body. That combined with the whole other circumstance, what's happening with us at death time and all these other things, makes that one particular karma ripen. Okay? It can also be a good karma. It doesn't have to be a bad karma. And so that, that ripening is ten. Okay? Becoming. So those are the actualizing causes. So that all happens in this lifetime. And then what all the results are the very next lifetime after this lifetime. Okay? And so we, we, you know, we have craving and grasping and becoming this lifetime. And then we jump into another body in whatever rebirth that is. And so we have the resultant consciousness. We have name and form and six sources and feelings and contact, contact and feelings and then you know, and then those are all overlapping with um, birth and then aging and death. Okay, so all of those are occurring at the same time. Um, aging and death, I mean, birth and then aging and death is kind of an abbreviated way of, you know, saying the rest. Actually, the, the ones on 3B through, through 7 are... Um, are base mostly those are referring to like the first instances of those things happening. So most of those are going on in the case of a human rebirth in the womb. Yeah. Um, so probably like um, causal con- uh, resultant consciousness. That's the mind that takes co- uh, rebirth on the new in the new body or name and form. Those would be equivalent to birth. And then all the other things, you know, six sources and the feelings and, you know, contact and feelings and these things, they're all occurring while one is aging. Okay? Yeah. Um, link 11, which is birth, yeah, is, is roughly corresponding to 3B, which is resultant consciousness, the consciousness that takes rebirth. Yeah, or or some I've heard it also said to be name and form, so I've heard it kind of both ways, and then twelve, or, or put it this way, um, um, four, five, six, and seven are occurring during the time of twelve. Okay, because from the moment after we're conceived, we're automatically aging and dying, and so even though we're in the womb. We still have it, you know, the sense sources are going and then we're having contact and feeling from them. Right? Okay, so in that way, one set of 12 links occurs over two lives. You have all the causal ones in this life, all the resultant ones in the very next lifetime. Okay? Now, there's another way in which one set of 12 links can happen, but this way it happens over three lifetimes. Okay, 
So let's say 50 million eons ago, when you were born Joe Schmo in the land of Ishkabibble, <laughs> yeah, you, <laughs> you made an offering to the Buddha, but your mind still was ignorant. It was still grasping everything as truly existent. Okay, and let's say at that time when you made your offering to the Buddha, um, you know, Joe Schmo was just praying for a good rebirth in, in, in the next lifetime. That's what he was praying, that's what motivated him. He did the positive action. So he still had, he had ignorance, okay, and then, and then the karma, the action of making offering to the Buddha, that left the imprint on the call for consciousness, okay. So that's 50 million eons ago. Yeah. Then this lifetime, okay. Then Joe Schmo, at the time that he died of that lifetime, he, um, you know, he was really attached to to something in his house, and so when he died, he came back as a mouse in the house. Okay, but coming back as a mouse in the house was not a result of you know that ignorance and karma from this that particular set of 12 links, that was a result of another set of 12 links, okay? So, so far in this set of 12 links, we just have 1, 2, and 3a, which were created 50 million eons ago, okay? Then he has all these other rebirths, yeah, doing all these other things. Then this lifetime, okay, Joe Schmo is, is a human being, let's say, and at the time he dies, um, you know, his Dharma friends are there reminding him to take refuge and, and think kind thoughts and, and like this. And he does that. And so he has a really positive frame of mind. So even though he has craving and grasping, they're able to make that karmic potency that was created 50 million eons ago ripen. Okay? So in this lifetime, in that one set of 12 links, he's having the craving, grasping, and the, the becoming. Okay? And then the very next lifetime, he has all the other links, all the resultant links. So in that way, the, the one set of 12 links happened over three lifetimes. So life A, which was 50 million eons ago, had 1, 2, and 3A. Life B, which is now, has craving, grasping, and becoming. And life C has to be the life right after right life B. And that has all the resultant ones. So between life A and life B, you can have 50 million eons. You can have, you know, it can be the very next life. Between A and B, it doesn't matter. It can be any amount of time. But between B and C, because you have the craving, grasping, and becoming in life B, the very next lifetime is when you get the results. Okay? Making some sense? So you see that we can we have many sets of 12 links kind of going on in some ways at the same time. Because 50 million eons ago, he had 1, 2, and 3a. And then, when he was born as a mouse, he was experiencing the resultant links from another set of 12 links. Okay? And then, when he was as a mouse, he was creating more sets of 12 links of 1, 2, and 3a. And at the death of that mouse life, then he was having craving, grasping, and becoming from some kind of 
set of 12 links that had started before. And then the very next rebirth after that was experiences in the results. But again, during that rebirth, when he's experiencing the, the results of a previous set of 12 links, he's also initiating more sets of 12 links. And then has more craving and grasping and becoming, which right, make them ripen again. And you get, you know, another set, a resultant set of 12 links. And then during that, you know, starting new sets. Okay? So it, 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 it becomes, I mean, this is samsara, isn't it? This is confusion. <laughs> yeah? This is just, you know, the, the mind being in, in this state of confusion. And although we want to be happy, you know, because we don't understand the path to enlightenment, because we don't understand who we are, because we can't differentiate between positive and negative actions, we just get all kind of tangled up and wind up just doing a lot of different actions, some positive and some negative, but all under the influence of ignorance. And so then, you know, here comes another reason. Okay? So this is why, you know, the determination to be free is so important because the determination to be free is saying, I'm sick of this. You know, I've had it. This is this has gone on long enough. I'm putting my foot down. Okay? You know, so all the language that you usually use when you're really mad at something, this is what, you know, I've had it. This is enough. This can't go on. I'm setting up my boundaries. You know? <laughs> I'm setting up realistic boundaries. I'm getting out of this dysfunctional situation. I'm going to do something, okay? So really, you know, making some determination to be free. Okay? Making a determination that we want real happiness instead of wanting just to, you know, distract ourselves all the time. So so this this uh, thing of determination to be free, when you read some Dharma books, it's sometimes translated as renunciation. Okay, I don't think renunciation is a very good translation because in English, renunciation makes you think of, you know, going off and living in a cave, doesn't it? You know, I'm renouncing the world. I'm going to go live in a cave and eat nettles and that's it. <laughs> yeah. And we think that's what renunciation is. That's not renunciation. Okay? Yeah? Renunciation doesn't mean going to live in a cave. Because you can go and live in a cave and eat nettles and be incredibly attached to a lot of things. Okay? You can be attached to your nettles. <laughs> Besides that, you can sit down to meditate and you can dream about pizza and Chinese food and everything else while you're meditating. You can also be incredibly attached to your reputation and hope that, you know, I hope all those people back in Seattle know how aesthetic I am and what a great and glorious meditator I am sitting out here eating nettles. Yeah? And be incredibly attached to one's reputation. So that renunciation isn't where you live and what you eat. Yeah, so that's why I don't really like that term renunciation because I think it brings forth some misconceptions. I prefer to translate the Tibetan term, which is Meijung, to mean the determination to be free. Because when inside your heart you've made that determination to be free, 
then it doesn't matter whether you're here in a cave because your mind is real single-pointed. You're not kind of wishing, wishy-washy and wishy-washy, but you have a real, you have a real clear direction in your life and a real clear meaning and purpose to your life. Huh? M-G-E-J-U-N-G. Okay. Um, in this uh, pastoral care course that I've been taking, you know, today we were talking about when you die, you know, like if you have a diagnosis and you hear your terminal, what are the kinds of things that are likely to be your concerns? So we kind of brainstormed this and made a big list, you know. And of course, I mean, here, here's where it became real, real clear to me, the, the advantage of meditating on death as a Buddhist, in that, you know, I've thought of all these things many, many, many times, you know, so it, it, it didn't kind of phase me. Some people in the room were looking kind of concerned, but, you know, I mean, Lama Zoba's been pounding this into me, and so is Rinpoche, and so is His Holiness, you know, for all my teachers for quite some time. So even though there's there's no deep understanding, at least, you know, superficially, there's been some thought on it. And one of, one of the questions that came up that people are likely to think about when they're terminal is, what's the meaning of my life? Yeah? What's the meaning of my life? And... You know, you can see that without a clear spiritual path, that could be a real traumatic question when you're terminal. You know, it's like I've lived this whole life. What's the meaning of it be? What have I done? You know, and when I die, what's going to happen to me? And what am I leaving behind? I mean, what's the whole meaning of this whole thing? This is a real concern when people die. And so you can see that if we have meditated and been able to develop this determination to be free, we have a very clear purpose in our life, a very clear meaning in our life. Yeah, the meaning in our life is to get ourselves out of cyclic existence. And so we've been able to spend the life working towards that meaning, working towards that purpose. Yeah. So that there's a real clear sense of meaning and purpose during the life so that, you know, you get a diagnosis of, of terminal whatever and you, you don't freak out because your purpose and you know you have a purpose in life and you've been living that up until now and you're going to keep living it for however long you have to live. Yeah, and then you're going to make prayers to be have another precious human life so you can continue doing that in your future lives. Yeah, so there's a real clear purpose and meaning to things, which I think certainly makes life easier and it makes death much easier. Yeah, what you're giving up or renouncing is the ignorance, anger, and attachment. Okay, we usually think that you're renouncing money and people and these things. Okay. The money and the people, that's not the problem. It's our attitude towards them that has, you know, that has to be given up. So we're making a real clear decision in our life not to follow the ignorance, anger, and attachment. Okay? So that kind of clear decision is included in the determination to be free. That's what we want to be free of. So I'm just explaining this because when you do a lot of reading and you come across that term renunciation, just try and look beyond the term. And whenever you talk, don't use it. Okay? 
because it, it really, I feel it, it leads to a lot of misunderstandings. 